now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Welcome to the Cheap Seats, everybody. Chris, Brandon, and with us, Trent Nichols going to do a whole hour with us today. I don't know if the show is going to be any good, but I do promise we'll try harder than James Harden. I got a question for you. What's that? Are you ready? Am I ready? You know what? It doesn't matter if you're ready or not, because Tim Copas is ready to start the show. <laughs> DJ Schlepprock, Tim Copas. He, uh, yeah, he's quick on the trigger this morning. We're yeah. just sitting around talking, and we hear the commercials going on in the background, and we're looking back there going, hey, are, are we about to start? And he goes, I thought you said you were ready. Well, Let's we're go. ready, dog. We're ready. Harden. What in the Where what happened, man? Where'd you go? I really don't know. It looked like he had a breakdown on the court, didn't it? Uh, he had some sort of psychotic break, man. I don't know what happened with the guy. I've uh, and I've heard every story. It's a conspiracy theory. I've heard everything from, you know, some sort of Vegas fix. It was the Kardashians. He was on drugs. I don't know, man. I've never seen anything like that in my life. You know, uh, I never. I thought there was no chance of a drug being created that could keep Harden from taking a shot in the first eighteen minutes of a ball game. No, I didn't know he was capable of doing that. Mm-mm. I mean, there's there's few people in the world that love to shoot a basketball more than James Harden, and he just decided I'm going to try something a little different now. Game six, mm, you know, we'll see how this works out. I do think I saw Sugar Ray Leonard one time fight around without throwing a punch. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of play around and, and see what's going on. But yeah, I don't know what I don't know what Harden was thinking about. Even my wife, she walked in in the middle of the uh, third quarter and she's like, Why is James Harden walking up and down the court? It's like a I don't know. Bermuda Triangle what is it, Croatoan? <laughs> Those folks just fell off the face of the earth. His game just I was listening to Tim Legler talking about it. He said Nobody would be talking about it if he shot 30 shots no. during the game and just had an off – scored the same amount of points. You know, well, well, think back to the first round when people, you know, well, Russell Westbrook's the reason that Oklahoma City's losing. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, because he was throwing up shots and he was trying to do everything. James Harden went exactly the opposite direction and was like, I'm just not going to do anything. Well, I know the regular season is a different thing when you're voting on MVP. The MVP votes are already in. But it just goes to show how willy-nilly we are at throwing the MVP title around to players not named LeBron James. I'll I'll put Westbrook in that category with LeBron James. Kawhi Leonard is in that same category. I don't – the point, the point guard for the Celtics, for some reason, isn't Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Thomas. I don't think he's in that conversation. But, you know, you talk Harden up all year long, and he's not proven the two times he's had a chance to show anything on the, in the playoffs. He's, like, fell way short. Well, the thing with Harden, you know, you watch him in this, in this malaise, just kind of mailing it in. And then after the game, you go to the press conference – and it's the same sort of complete disengagement, like, yeah, whatever. And the body language, that was the thing that stuck with me during the game. And then in the press conference, he just kind of deflected things and, you know, well, listen for yourself. Uh, James, how, how would you explain uh, what happened to, to you guys tonight? They just dominated. Uh, they played well, uh, moved the ball extremely well, made shots. Uh, we never really had, had a rhythm uh, throughout the entire game. 
Um, you know, the Marcus Aldridge really played you know, well. Uh, he was aggressive from the beginning of the game. And then, uh, yeah, we just never really got into a rhythm offensively. I don't, I don't think you attempted a shot until about uh, six minutes were left in the second quarter. Um, did you feel out of it? Did you not have your feel your rhythm in this game? I mean, I really just didn't have a rhythm beginning of the game. Uh, I feel like I was making some passes, and we just didn't you know, knock down shots or, or whatever the case may be. But uh, as a team, as a unit, we really didn't have a rhythm, and uh, they capitalized on that. Are you, are you doing anything? Are you hurt at all or worn down? Or I'm good. Oh, he he made one mistake in that in that interview. They had a rhythm. It was just very slow and very bad. And he led that. You know, you saw the guys running around flying to the ball, and this guy won't even join in the offense. You know, you're playing four on five, and he crosses midcourt and just sort of stands and watches. There was definitely a rhythm. And and for him to throw and pull the, the rest of his team in there, man, that's going to linger. Well, there's two things that you look at when you're playing on a basketball team and you're looking towards your your star, your best player, for some leadership. Number one, if they're not trying to get theirs and before the first 18 minutes of a game, there's something wrong, and it actually bleeds through to the other team. And the second thing you look at is defensive effort. You know, you may not, not be able to guard everyone that you're matched up with, but he is flat out quitting, particularly at the end of the play. He's kind of tracking with them and then almost throws his hands up. Like, as if I'm done, go ahead and have your layup. Well, and to be clear, when you talk about defense and team defense, this Houston Rockets team, led by James Harden, gave up 116 points at home to a Spurs team without Kawhi Leonard. That's unforgivable, and it may not be fair but this performance is going to be one of the things that defines James Harden as we move forward. Yeah, it was like Tim Donaghy crawled up into his beard and controlled him <laughs> to fix that game. <laughs> I, I'm not ready to call it a fix, but I am ready to call James Harden. I, I don't know whether which label to put on him. Is he Tony Romo or is he Carmelo Anthony? I don't know, but he's in that box. And back to the MVP point that you made, yeah, we can all accept that, you know, James Harden had a great regular season. But the NBA needs to change the name of their award that they give annually to the quote-unquote best player. Because most valuable, I'm going to ask you a question, Trent. What player in the NBA would you trade straight up for LeBron James? I would – I'd probably give up anybody. Every single player yeah, in the NBA, not right? One person that I'd be like, no, I can't give you him for him. How is that not the most valuable player? Yeah. By I mean, what measure? I mean, you're talking about the guy with the most championships. You know, a two-way player that's one of the greatest in the in the history of the game. LeBron James should be your most valuable player. Now, James Harden, and we, we we have to accept that in any particular year. It's the most outstanding player, and that's in terms of numbers. But I don't even know why we vote on this anymore. Why not put it into an efficiency rating, and whoever comes out with the best numbers is your guy because you're trying to make an excuse for Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard to be the most valuable player when clearly they're all competing for second place. The NBA, that's not the only group that's guilty of this, right? I've said before in the past – no offense to Roy Williams because he deserves to win it once in a while as well. But Coach K, you could make an argument that Coach K should win Coach of the Year every year. Every year. Well, in particular with college basketball, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that 
you know, coach of the year, well, coaching includes recruiting and running the program and, and being that CEO. So you can't. how can you hold it against one of these coaches, whether it's Roy Williams, Coach K, Bill Self, whomever, because they have the better talent? Well, who went and got that talent? True. And mid-season adjustments, not to get off on Coach K, but he's the best that there's ever been. Like, he makes mid-season adjustments. Next thing you know, they're in the Sweet 16. But back to your point, yeah, that award – it just kind of stinks that they ha- have the feeling that they need to give it to someone else, like a participation award. When it, everyone knows it should get a LeBron every year, every year. So if Derek Jeter played in the NBA, would they give him the the uh, MVP every year? Maybe. It seems like they want to. <laughs> Jeter. I'm. I'm. This Harden thing kills me. All right, and we talked about we had the Jordan LeBron. It's a running debate between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And LeBron has had his moments where, you know, people like to point at it. Well, he doesn't have the killer instinct. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. I'll promise you one thing. In a game six, neither one of those guys ever would have gone 18 yeah. minutes without taking a shot. Is that is that a fair statement? Well, no, you have to start your team, and I think that's the, that's the issue. How do you not come out and start your – you are the leader. You start that rhythm. So if they're out of rhythm, according to him, or couldn't get it, it's because of him. Well, get them back not, into rhythm. Yeah, you got to start it out. And, and a game six, you're done without this. It's an MVP. For me, it was like watching Cam Newton not go for that fumble mm. in the Super wow. Bowl. yeah. You know what I mean? Cam Newton's an MVP. He didn't go for that fumble. He and James Harden decision. made a whole game – didn't go for the fumble. James Harden did not go for that fumble. That's an excellent excellent analogy. The other thing I want to say is that, you know, when, when Houston got down early, it was obvious they were never even going to challenge. On the flip side, yesterday, well, yesterday you had Golden State and San Antonio, and San Antonio was ahead by about 65 points in the <laughs> second quarter, and Golden State could have very easily just mailed that in but they kept plugging away and kept plugging away and kept plugging away. And ultimately, Kawhi Leonard went down with the injury. Golden State actually started to tighten up the defense, and they came back from the depths and pulled a win out that they didn't have any any business winning. If you don't keep playing, you can't take advantage of an opportunity because there's just as good a chance Kawhi Leonard goes down, you're down 45 instead of you know 18 when it happened, and the game's out of reach. Everybody kind of asks the question, what's Golden State going to do the first time they get hit in the mouth? Well, they got hit in the mouth. Now, they got up off the canvas and they won the ball game, but, you know, well, it's a mitigating. Yeah, exactly. I know where you're going. Go well, ahead. They got, they got hit in the mouth, and the person mostly responsible for punching them twisted his ankle and went away. You know what I mean? It's, what, does that answer the MVP question, though? It's, it, it makes it a compelling it a argument. Better. Yeah. It, it, it makes that argument a little bit more compelling because if you want to see value, look at what the Spurs – the Spurs were 25 points better than the Golden State Warriors. You subtract Kawhi Leonard for a quarter and a half and Golden State's you know 20 points better than that team? Man, when you want to talk about value and, and well, it's not going to be about numbers or whatever the case might be, Kawhi Leonard, it, it, given the last couple of performances in the last few weeks worth of stuff – I don't know how anybody at this point, if the voting was done now, could come back and say, well, they're obviously Harden's more valuable than Kawhi Leonard. 
Well, I say I know we kind of moved on to the Golden State, but back to Harden for a second. Did you happen to see how Popovich was looking at him when they were talking together? Yeah, he looked like he had lost a family member. Like I, I, I that's kind of why I believe that at some point some writer um, is going to come out. What there was something wrong with there, him. There obviously was something wrong. The question is, what was it that was wrong? It's hard to say. Like with Harden, who's not afraid of any shot. He's never seen no. a shot that he doesn't like. For him to not shoot, something was going on probably internally within the the basketball team. So I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I don't know. And, and we may never find out. But James Harden, again, this is going to define it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols, talking about James Harden, a little bit of NBA hoops. Um, San Antonio made it interesting for a minute. We won't know for a while whether this was their last hurrah or not. If Kawhi Leonard can't get back healthy, they're already down Tony Parker, who was having an amazing run in the playoffs. Um, it does look like the Cavaliers and the Warriors are on a collision course. I wish I just kind of had a fast-forward button. Yeah, me too. I I will say, you know, talk, you brought up the Cavaliers. I was thinking about who I'd rather play because I do pull for the Cavaliers. I pull, I'm a LeBron fan. I'd like to see him get closer ring-wise to Jordan, being that that's the only thing that really separates the two players. But and it I, does separate them. Well, it does separate <laughs> them. But if you take away the, the ring difference – LeBron's better than him in almost every t- category in the playoffs. So almost does he every... have to, though? Does he have to have more than Jordan to may... finally be considered better than Jordan? I don't think he has to have more. I really don't. I, he needs a fourth one, bare minimum. But uh, I didn't mean to get off on that. But my point was that who would you rather see them play? Who would give a, them a bigger fight in the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm thinking the Wizards. Because the Cavaliers – was that the bullets? The bullets. My bad. Yeah, we already know. We already know the Celtics can't beat them. Right. You know, the Celtics team probably won't get a game off of the Cavaliers. The bullets. 
at least have John Wall and Bradley Beal who can lose their minds a couple of times. Those guys get them. It's funny because they kind of work themselves into this frenzy and they get all hyped and then they go out and, you know, as a a tandem will drop 55 points on you. Um, They can win a game or two. Boston can't beat them. There, there's, there's, it's just almost a physical impossibility, you know. Barring an injury to LeBron James, I, I don't see how the Celtics can get past them. I don't even see how the Celtics can challenge them. Yeah, Legler was saying that there are some players on the Celtics that can test LeBron's sh- shots. I don't know who they are. I mean, maybe a little contested shot here or there, but they've already proven that they own the Celtics. Kyrie versus Isaiah Thomas, like that's another thing that's funny. But going back to the MVP, they're talking about Isaiah Thomas as far as an MVP, yet Kyrie Irving will take his lunch all day. So if the Cavaliers called Boston right now, how quickly would they say yes to an Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving deal? Uh, Boston? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They wouldn't even – Isaiah Thomas Thomas is a cool story because he's 5'7", and he's exciting to watch. The idea that he's somehow an MVP caliber ball player in the NBA is dumb. Yeah. You just can't. You can't win with him. Who, who said that in the NFL? You can't win with him. Singletary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, you know, the Celtics have a pick coming up. Yeah. Probably and, the first pick in the draft. Well, that'll take care of itself right there if they pick, you know, the right guy. But. They're on the come, but right now I would just—I think I would have more fun watching watching Washington matched up with the Cavaliers. John Wall, he's he lacks zero confidence. Like I mean, the guy is one of those guys that can really almost stand somewhat shoulder to shoulder to LeBron. I feel like LeBron has a certain amount of respect for him, so that's the matchup matchup I'd like to see. Well, it's funny because just a week ago, you know, in Game Five, we were talking about the, uh, you know. Washington Bullets, I love saying that. The bullets. Watching the Bullets mail it in against the Celtics and kind of screaming the same thing that we were with Harden. I don't get this generation of athletes where, you know, even before adversity sets in, they're like, I'm out. I'm just I'm just not going to do this. Well, you were I giving, don't get it, man. You were I'm, giving me a hard am, time about Harden. I told you how to guard him. You you expect the, the Euro step. I about said UTEP two-step. Sorry, Tim Hardaway. <laughs> the Euro stuff, you you got to figure out how to play that. There's a way to play it. And you always push him off to his left. He makes that shot, but he doesn't like going and taking that fade away from the left-hand side. They proved that last year. And for some reason, game six, an elimination game, he decides he wants to get the other players involved. When that's not anywhere in his the history of how he got, approaches these games. No. And Houston didn't sign him for that. And – Look, I'm I'm done. I'm closing the book on James Harden. Um, Till next year. That's all I got. I'm just not going to fool with him anymore. I want to talk about somebody else that's in the news because, you know, with the James Harden conspiracy theories, now apparently there is a conspiracy against Colin Kaepernick. Hmm. And a lot of people are chiming in with a lot of, you know, a lot of, um, I don't know, rhetoric on both sides of this. Where are you at on the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, B? The only thing you – where I'm at is the only place you need to be is that close your eyes, forget about Colin Kaepernick, and say, do I want a quarterback that throws for 20 touchdowns and eight interceptions a year? Do you want that? Because there's plenty, 
probably sitting, you know, out of work on a couch somewhere that can give you that production. Now, Kaepernick will average around 400 yards rushing if you look at his averages over the last three or four years. But, you know, people vote with their dollars. You can do – it's just like Chick-fil-A, you know. I mean, they have political views, and people vote with their dollars, you know. You, they, anytime they're in the news for any kind of controversy, their sales skyrocket. So, yeah, you can kneel when they're playing the national anthem if you want to. You have every right to do it, but it could hurt your brand. And, and people decide, hmm, 20 and 8, 20 touchdowns for that kind of headache? I don't think so. So what's the big difference on these gambles on drafting a guy that's not NFL proven, that hasn't been to a Super Bowl and led teams under different coaches under Hallball to, you know, winning? Why not take a chance on Colin? He's not asking for the money that they're doing. Well, first of all, you're you're going in the wayback machine way back. Okay? Because Colin Kaepernick, for the first season and a half that he was in the NFL, and Colin Kaepernick now are two entirely different people. Two entirely different people. He was um, – Kaepernick was everybody's darling when he, when he came in and took over that team from Alex Smith and for the next year and a half showed a skill set that very few people have. But then he spent the next three years – showing people that he couldn't make that skill set translate to production on a regular basis. Under different systems. So you give him the system that he can be successful in, and he's proven that he can be successful. Which system is that, the wishbone? No, though. What system? Under Harbaugh's system. Under Harbaugh's system, Colin Kaepernick ran the ball. That was what set him apart, not his ability to throw the football. In this day and age, in today's NFL, this is a passing quarterback-driven league. I don't see when I see Colin Kaepernick out there, somebody that has – I don't know. I don't sit in film with him, but it doesn't appear to me like he's able to read defenses quickly enough and make good decisions with the football. And his inefficiencies, you know, turning the ball over, he just hasn't gotten it done. And I get – you know, different offensive coordinators have come through. Systems have changed. Yes, maybe if there was a good fit for him. But who coached the 49ers last year? Chip Kelly. What possible <laughs> better offense could there be for a mobile quarterback with a big gun who can make plays in a broken field? But I mean, if he time, can't, if he can't succeed he in, in Chip Kelly's offense, I don't know where, what you do with him. Yeah. And, you know, Chip Kelly's offense hasn't necessarily – I mean, that first season, the NFL figures you out, man. Of course they do. You come in – same thing probably happened to Kaepernick in 2012. He takes over, goes bananas. But people have this thing called tape, and they watch the tape on you, just like Chip Chip Kelly's first season with the Eagles. They watch some tape on you, and if you aren't dynamic enough to play in a couple of different offenses – then you're not meant for this league. Now, the Panthers figured out with Cam Newton, we need to simplify this offense, give them big receivers, you know, get them some protection, which they're working on now. But I still think that he's transforming into more of a drop-back passer than he is more of a rusher. Like, And he's well, having some success there. But Kaepernick, uh, his numbers have de- declined year after year. Well, you said that, that Cam Newton is becoming more of a drop-back passer. You have to. Yeah, that's the natural progression. Those are big, fast, 
world-class athletes that are trying to tear your head off and your body, it's going to take a toll. Look at Ben Roethlisberger. You know, Roethlisberger, you know, used to scramble around and do all this stuff. Now you just can't bring him down. But all of these guys over time become more of the classic dropback quarterback or they don't last in the league. And you're talking about Cam Newton while they simplified the offense. With Mike Vick, they took away half the field and said, you know what, you're going to read one side of the field or the other, and if you if there's nothing there, you're going to take off and run. Right. And Mike Vick was able to be successful for an extended period of time. These offensive coordinators get paid to make it work. So you have to believe that they're doing these things with Kaepernick as well, trying to put this young man into, in a situation to succeed because it, the skill set was obviously there. But now here we are, these years removed, and he picked a time to make a political statement after he'd started to suck. Yeah, wrong time to try that. <clears throat> some conspiracy theories out there say he did it for some self-promotion reasons. Um, but, you know, the Kaepernick thing is curious. I'm curious as to why he's not on a roster. Me personally, I just don't think he's had a long enough body of work where I think T. Nichols pointed out where you wouldn't at least give him a shot rather than taking a flyer on a draft pick. But what annoys me about this whole thing is that the national media and everybody is trying to put this in a box. They're trying to categorize this in some way, and they're frustrated because they can't do it. They kind of want to say, is it a race thing? They want to say it's because he, you know, he's not patriotic. I mean, the guy gives tons of money and donations. He's a very generous person with his money. He supports the troops, all this. But yet NFL teams are passing on him, and the media just doesn't know quite what to say about it. It's kind of, why is this even – I'll tell you what you do. Throw more than 20 touchdowns a year. That's what you do. You know, Eli Manning goes out and throws on 27 touchdowns and it's just a ho-hum season for him. You know, you're talking about the guy who's only thrown for 21 touchdowns once in his career. You know, last year he threw for 16. The year before that, six. I mean, Look, just play better. Maybe you'll you get hit yourself the bottom on the line. Team. If the guy had put up better production over the last few years, then he'd be on somebody's roster. But you take the headache, and it's just not worth it right now. On the other side of the break, though, yeah. Snoop's going to chime in. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. 
I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. And now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. In the beginning, I understood it thoroughly because I'm one who's, you know, had situations with police and I deal with it and I understand where he was coming from. But at the same time, it's like you have to really stand for it. And I don't believe he can do that and play football at the same time because mm-hmm. there's too many rules and regulations and things that he has to deal with as opposed to being a revolutionary. But I do appreciate the fact that he brought something to America's attention that needed to be brought to their attention as far as knowing that there is a serious problem that we're dealing with outside of these sports and these activities that we do that we have a great time and we celebrate. So I like him for that and I appreciate him for that. And I feel like he did his part. Now it's up to the world to recognize and do their part because he's only one person. He's got to get back to focus on what he's doing. And if this is what he wants to do, he needs to leave football out of it and just do it full time, Mm. as far as my perspective. That's Snoop Dogg on Undisputed chiming in and and some poignant comments there. But here's the – there's some irony there, Snoop talking about. I've had some run-ins with the police. Well, I, I would love to hear what Snoop Dogg has to say about Josh Gordon being suspended or having his suspended extended for another year. Here's the here's the question I have about Kaepernick, and we can talk about the flag in a little bit. But there's no disputing if the numbers were there and teams said, this is a guy that can come in and make our 53-man roster better, he'd be signed somewhere. And I know that because Ben Roethlisberger is a rapist. He's the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ray Lewis was party to a murder. Mike Vick killed dogs. Josh Gordon's been suspended 53 times now for drug use. And as soon as the NFL says he's ready to come back and he's 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 a free agent again, somebody's going to sign him. Those guys have have shown we can make you better. We can help you win ball games. And in the end, it only takes one of those 32 teams to say, yep, he's our guy. Look at Pac-Man Jones. Adam Jones has got a, a rap sheet longer than my arm. And then in this offseason, gets into it and wishes death upon a policeman on video. Not and the chance. Bengals have, didn't blink an eye. Yeah. <clears throat> What's the difference between uh, Ray Rice and Cook? What's the difference? I don't know. Well, Cook can play. Cook can, Cook can produce. Dalvin Cook still got potential. We talked about him during our draft show. Dalvin Cook with you know a, a history. He does have a history, but really, you're looking at two main things: stuff caught on videotape, people, uh, you know, abusing or assaulting a female. One is at the end of his career, we're going to make a statement with Ray Rice, but yet we're going to welcome. Cook into the league. Oh yeah, he got drafted a little bit later than everybody projected. So what? He's, he's still a multimillionaire. He's a multimillionaire. He's in the league. That's why Colin Kaepernick is not on the team right now. Okay, two points about Ray Rice. First of all, if Ray Rice could still put up twelve hundred yards for a team out there, he'd be on somebody's roster. Yeah. The second thing you made about video that speaks to how lazy. 
the national media is. Because if there's video attached with it, that's clickbait. You know, we'll go out there and we'll put that video up everywhere. You know, we put a headline that says that there's video and, you know, 15 million Americans are going to come in and click on the video and there's revenue associated with that. If it's just allegations or somebody's story and nobody's out there making a statement, committing it to film, there's no evidence, you know, on video. Why bother reporting it? Well, and unfortunately, there's plenty of video of Colin Kaepernick playing sorry on a football field. Ah! You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, the Ray Lewis thing, the Ray Lewis thing just continues to blow my mind because the NFL embraces this man, and he was party to a murder. Going back to the Snoop Dogg thing, I hadn't heard that sound. That was that was some profound knowledge it was. dropped. It was, and there's a time and a place for everything. And, and, you know, Colin Kaepernick, I don't know in his heart that he did this to be self-serving and, and get attention. But I don't know how you can look at it and say, well, it elevated our consciousness about, you know, issues with police in, in you know, urban areas and, and their interaction with, with young black males. I don't know that it did anything to advance that argument. What I do know is that there were other people that followed suit and kneeled during the national anthem, and there were an awful lot of folks not happy about it around, you know, all over the place. And it's not new. He's not the first person to not stand during a, sure. a uh, the national anthem. We talked about the formerly Chris Jackson, Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, who did this, and it basically it, it helped run him out of the league. But again, by that point in Chris Jackson's career, he wasn't any good. Yeah. So right. if Tom Brady decides he wants to kneel during the national anthem, that's a that's a comment worth making. That's a statement that you know goes around the globe. Well, on the flip side of that, I know it's not the same thing, but he was openly a Trump supporter. Tom Brady. That would turn a lot of people off, right? But the guy wins Super Bowls. He's attractive. Has an unbelievable, gorgeous, unbelievably gorgeous wife. All that aside, the guy just wins. He's got all kinds of records. What was that? His fifth ring? Am I giving him more more than he actually has? I think that was nineteen. <laughs> and and you said Trump. It's funny because I think I saw somewhere that Trump said something to the effect that Giselle Bunsen, G- Giselle Bunsen is not a real supermodel anymore, mm. or something like that. Whoa. I, I well, I guess. Uh oh. If you've been with a lot of supermodels, I guess you can throw shade on whoever you want. <laughs> I just with the Colin Kaepernick thing, man. I it, I'm gonna tell you, me personally, from where I'm where I come from and my perspective on things, I have an issue with it. Yeah, there are a lot of ways that you can make statements. There's a lot of way that you can do a lot of good and be engaged in and all the rest of that. But when you take on the national anthem and the American flag, you're not making a statement toward the government that that's associated with. You're you're making a statement to Americans in mm-hmm. my eyes, and I have a, a a real problem with that. Now a lot of people jumped on that and they tried to tie it directly to veterans. Well, it's an affront to veterans. Uh, I'm a veteran. I don't know that I my my feelings about it were directly related to military service. It was just anti-American, and we do have our issues in America for sure. There's no denying sure. that. 
Have some perspective, though. Well, <laughs> have some perspective because America, regardless of how you feel about any particular thing or whether you, you know, think that Donald Trump is the Antichrist, America's still the greatest country on the face of the planet and in the history of our entire civilization. There is no doubt about you're that. You're right about that. So, you know, but going back to the advice Snoop Dogg. God bless America. You like it? Wow. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> wow. Um, going back to the advice Snoop Dogg was given this young man, Colin Kaepernick, one of my favorite uh, Snoop Dogg quotes is, if it's flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, be the best hamburger flipper in the world. Whatever it is you do, you master your craft. That's advice that Colin Kaepernick should take. Master your craft. Then everything else falls into place. You can literally be party to a murder and be ranked one of the best linebackers that's ever lived the game, right? Absolutely. Be on all these panels on NFL films. People are just eating up your information as it's spewing for your party to a murder mouth. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just... Handle your business on the field, and everything else takes care of itself. And in the end, that's what he did. He taught, he said, you know what? You did your part. Now focus on what you need to focus on, if that's what you want to do. So if he wants to be an NFL quarterback, <laughs> I'll tell you what, just focus on that. Endo and gin and juice is underrated, bro. <laughs> if you can come off like Socrates, I got to – no, I'm not going to try that. Look. <laughs> We're off the rails now. We're off the rails. I look, Colin Kaepernick. I I I don't know what to do with this guy, man. I I don't know what to do with him. He, I do admire his willingness to take a stand. I have to give him that. But the other thing, and this is the point I want to make in the last couple minutes here, is that people say, "Well, he's exercising his freedom of, of speech." Well, yeah. Freedom of speech means that the government can't prosecute you for what you say. That's right. It doesn't mean that people can't call you names and head over to talk radio and badmouth you and disagree with your with your point. So he's feeling the freedom of speech of that consumer base out there, and he's just not good enough at the level where NFL teams are like, yeah, we want that headache. We're going we're gonna to take that on. When you think he was in San Francisco, th- there's a lot more tolerance out there, too. I mean, just think about going – to play, you know, to to the Redskins, maybe um, any other New area. Yo, yeah, oh, New York, I'm gonna tell you what, you couldn't get away with it anywhere in the Southeast. No, we I mean, can you imagine if he did it in 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 Carolina? You know, playing playing in Charlotte. Yeah, that's a whole different level of patriotism. You make a good point because San Francisco, yes, as a community, you say tolerant. They're, I mean, they're militant. Well, I just think in it's a funny. Lot of cases. Terrell Owens can spike a ball in Dallas star midfield and Emmett Smith takes off and wraps him up. But the players seem to support someone kneeling down our national anthem. You can do whatever you want to, but you got to take the consequences. The consequences is that you're doing the same thing that I'm doing right now on my couch watching ESPN until someone takes, I would say maybe at this point, a flyer because you are taking on the headache with this guy. Well, and I think that's what's going to – I mean, at the end of the day, I think somebody's going to look at the backup pool, not the starting pool, the backup pool, and say, you know what, he could be our backup. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So June 3rd, where are you going to be, Brandon? 
I'm gonna be playing. I'm gonna be calling dodgeball. Actually, calling dodgeball. No, you're gonna be playing dodgeball. Is what you're gonna be doing, dog? I gotta dust off. I had this old back in an old tournament I was in. The shirt that said "Dodge this." I gotta go find that and dust that off. I like this. So uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. They're gonna put together an all-star team. Trent, you guys rolling out and doing that? Yeah, we will. uh, Feeding the feeding the troops. The uh, the ones that get hit. B-dubs. And we'll be the hitters. That's a, you know what that ought to be sort of the cutoff. You get food if you get hit by a dodgeball. <laughs> I like that. So Buffalo Wild Wings will be feeding the folks. Uh, Thrive at Financial is going to going to sponsor this. Um, WDCC and our friends here on radio in Sanford stepping up to sponsor. And of course from the cheap seats, every nickel we raise is going to go to Alzheimer's research. Uh, Rotary International's CART Fund. We're excited about it. June 3rd, $50 per team. Six people on a team. Now, I thought about it, and I hadn't even really talked to you about this, Brandon. But initially, we thought kind of, well, we'll put together an all-star team. be the cheap seats all-stars. Mm-hmm. Now, uh-uh. You're putting together your own team because my team's going to take you down. And my first addition, my first commitment to be on my team, Nate Thompson, best high school defensive back in the state of North Carolina. He's in. I got some work to do. I can't wait to just whip a dodgeball at your face with chicken wing <laughs> sauce all over it. <laughs> all right. Check us out on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats, Twitter, Cheap Seat Radio. Send us a line at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. There's plenty of information out there on the web about this event. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. They're strong, and then there's Army Strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, we're back talking about everything from James Harden and his collapse through to Snoop Dogg on Callan Kaepernick, talking about dodging balls. And during the break, Brandon, I think you had an inspired idea. And uh, I think what I'm expecting at this point is for Brandon Atkins to show up on June 3rd with a team of strippers. Um, you know, that's not exactly what I said there, <laughs> And there's a reason that we say some things off the air. My brother, we have it on I'm tape. just going to tell you this: don't, I, go to, I w- don't go to Vegas with this guy. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to put it out there, but I am going to tell you this: that playing dodgeball against strippers, this would not be the first time for me. Wow, 
It's all Ooh, I'm not surprised. Anyway, we'll, we'll cover that on the podcast. I'll tell an interesting little story because the internet doesn't uh, not subject to FCC regulations. Trent, you got any other thoughts on Colin Kaepernick, man? You know, I respect what he did. I think uh, it drug on a little too long. I gave up after a couple weeks of it and like, whatever. It doesn't really, really matter to me. I think it did heighten the awareness because it seemed like there was more and more stories about this. And I think it's something that we as a country need to continue to focus on and change. Um, Colin Kaepernick, you know what? A year ago, I was begging for him to be a Bronco. I, I sipped his Kool-Aid and I thought he could help us with Peyton being gone. But uh I think he'll end up somewhere as a backup, and uh, that's probably about it. Well, that's how Michael Vick got back into the league. I mean, he came back from, you know, jail, basically, and the Philadelphia Eagles brought him in and ultimately walked his way back into the starting lineup. And if I remember correctly, in that first year back, had one of the best fantasy games of all time on a Monday night, but I digress. Now, we hate – as Americans, the, the general feeling is there's a lot of hatred toward Colin Kaepernick. I'll tell you somebody there's not any hatred for. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter has won at life. And, and it all comes to. Say again? And continues to. And continues to. He, I mean, this guy, man, he, I don't know what kind would. of deal he made with the devil. But it all culminated this weekend at Yankee Stadium. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's once again hear it for the last man to ever wear number two for the New York Yankees. Joined by his wife, Hannah, here he is, Derek Jeter. All right, Derek Jeter, first ballot Hall of Famer, yes or no? After looking at the numbers, yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. One of the greatest Yankees of all time. Not even close. Not even close. When I look at Jeter, I just feel like he's been a long – look, his – you know the old saying, your best ability is availability. I've seen his at-bats and his career hits. That's where he made, he made hay on his career, his career hits and his at-bats. And, uh, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, there's other categories that he's just not exactly setting the, you know, the world on fire. And we talked about the Mount Rushmore of the Yankees. He's not on it. No, 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 no. We had this conversation last night, and you asked me, well, is he one of the best four Yankees of all time? No, he's not even in the conversation. Well, T. Nichols is more of a baseball person, so maybe we should defer to him. Because for outside looking in, he's a great player, but – he. Like, people love to make a fuss over this guy. I can't for the life of me figure out why. All right, Trent, start the list. We'll go back and forth. Best List of best Yankees all time. DiMaggio. Ruth. Rivera. Gehrig. Whitey Ford. I, I think Jeter is number seven. Mantle. You didn't do that back and forth. Maybe you didn't understand my structure. See, the thing I hate about Derek Jeter is he never gave me anything to hate about him. No, God no. But and even with his supermodel wife, I'm like, oh my God, she seems so cool. But it could have been Mariah Carey, and that would have been disappointed. Derek Jeter and his wife, Mariah Carey. The thing (laughs) where he made hay. That's the only one I knew he dated. The only celebrity was Mariah Are Carey. Are you kidding me? I don't remember. It's fitting, about it's fitting that Derek Jeter's number was retired on Mother's Day. 
because <laughs> no man in America had more women that wanted to be the mother of his babies. But you never heard about them. That's right. I don't remember any because of them. Because the New York press, it was kind of off limits. And it was inside information. And this dude had these, uh, you know, I don't want to make too much of it, but he dated everybody that was anybody. And the, the media was just completely hands off with it. You didn't see popcorn being fed to him at the Super Bowl like nope. A-Rod. You know, you didn't hear anything. He was well, perfect. And part sorry. of that, the media is culpable. But the other part is, is that Derek Jeter had this idea that he had to keep himself clean and not put himself out there. And the dumb things that Alex Rodriguez did in the same market that were plastered everywhere, Derek Jeter stayed away from that for all those years. Now, you talked about longevity and, and how availability is so important in the sports world. Derek Jeter, that's the best thing he had going for him. I don't want to hear about leadership. I don't want to hear about intangibles. He played in New York for all those years, was there every day just plugged in, and played good baseball. But at the same time, you have to go back and be willing to admit there wasn't a single moment in time, from my perspective, where you can look at Derek Jeter and say that was the best shortstop in baseball. Not on for his own one team. minute during his entire 19 years. Well, and, and from the time uh, A-Rod got there, even on his own team. Like, right? Even on his own I, team, he wasn't even the best that. shortstop. People hate Alex Rodriguez, but the numbers are what the numbers are. And you're talking about Derek Jeter, who essentially – is the Pete Rose of the Yankees at best? You know, a guy that was there that played good defense. You know, he was flashy. He was silky smooth. He was a great athlete. But Derek Jeter was not an MVP-type guy with any regularity. Most of the time was not even the best player on his team through those Yankee years. In particular, when you step back and you really look at what Mariana Rivera did and how much better Mariana Rivera was than every other closer that's ever played baseball, Derek Jeter's not even in that conversation. So, yes, he won all those championships. He got all those rings. But if he played in Cincinnati or in Minnesota – Derek Jeter's just another guy. Well, I think what is he seven or eight on all time on hits? I mean, he he would not be just another guy, but you know, if I have to see that little flip to home one more time, they try to it was rank. A great that. play. It was a good play. It no, wasn't a no, great no, no, play. no 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 no. No, that was a moment, great great play. They try they try to rank that with the Montana pass. The Jordan over Craig Elo shot, it's not the same thing. I bet you if you really were bored enough to watch enough regular season games that you would probably see a similar play to that no. happen throughout a season. That's See, he tried to pass to you, Trent, and say you're the baseball guy because you're obviously not a baseball guy. That was that. was First of all, that play flipped that series on wow. its ear. Oakland was the better team. And that play transformed everything. Now, it's not better than the shot over Craig Elo. I will say that in terms of changing things around, I, I put it up there with the catch. Mm. See, I, that that's where he made hay is the postseason. He absolutely. Was, he was Mr. October. He was Rookie of the Year, 14-time All-Star, and five World Series rings. Yeah. But he made his living not – because of his batting average and his hits, he made it in October. But let's let's not pretend that the numbers are what the story is here. Buster Posey, 
Buster Posey's been in the league half as long as has three championships. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey's indisputably the best offensive player on the San Francisco Giants. You couldn't pick Buster Posey out of a lineup outside of his uniform. That smile and that moxie that Derek Jeter had is what made him what he is. And it's a superstar, but not a superstar because of his ball playing. You know, you were talking about the fact that he's, you know, sixth or seventh on the all-time hit list. I'll venture to say that that two Milwaukee Brewers, Paul Molitor and Robin Yount, I would take either one of those guys in any aspect of the, of baseball ahead of Jeter. And those guys are, oh yeah, yeah, great Brewers. They're not, they're not, you know, some of the most recognizable men in America like Derek Jeter is. Well, I'll just I want to throw it to Trent because I'd be interested to hear when I um, was talking about his hits where he made, hey, you make a good point about the postseason. You know, the thing that jumped off the page to me is when I was looking at his stats, because I am not a baseball person until the World Series. I'll just throw that out there. But he's got more hits than Hunnis Wagner. That, to me, as a casual fan, jumps off the page. Mm -hmm. He's number six in hits. Only people have more hits is Pete Rose, Ty Cobb, Hank Aaron, Stan Musial, and Tris Speaker. It's about longevity. That was kind of the Iron Man, like Cal Ripken. He was up. He was the leadoff most of his career. If I'm not mistaken, Jeter came up before his 20th birthday. Is that a correct statement? I believe he his first season was when he was 21. 21? Yep. Okay, I thought it was even a little earlier than that. But he was around so long. He stayed healthy. You talk about the term of the, you know, in volume of hits that he got. Look at the, uh, the, at the measurables. Hits, a total number of hits over a career are almost like, um, I don't know, wins for pitchers. It's the, the least important of the statistics that's out there. And don't get it twisted. I'm not trying to say that Derek Jeter wasn't a very, very good baseball player. But Derek Jeter does not belong in the conversation about the greats of the game. That's just my perspective on it. When he was 21, he played only 15 games. So okay. his first season, he was 22 years old in 1996. It. Yeah. It makes me sad because we graduated high school the same year, 1992, and I think of him as an old man kind of because he's been in, a, in the MLB for a very long time. You know, I mean, just these little things that seem to be manufactured for me kind of bother me. And I know I'm, I'm playing a little devil's advocate. You can't see me grinning right now, but – Jeter just seems to be manufactured because it's the New York Yankees. You know, even when he went for his 3,000th hit, he needed two in that game. He got five. Three, number 3,000 was a home run. You know, I'll, you go back and look at that game and watch those pitchers grooving into grooving those right <laughs> down the middle. You know what I'm saying? It's a manufactured Jeter moment. The flip, okay, it was an athletic play, but to me it's just like – and it, it was at the time, but it really doesn't rank – up with the biggest plays in sports history. It just doesn't. I think if you ask most baseball and non-baseball people, it's not as famous and as important as the catch. Not the shot over Craig Elo. Look, here's here's what I would tell you. You talk about the catch. One of the one of the the you know iconic plays in baseball history is Willie Mays with the catch. Sure. You know, over the shoulder. That's the type play that you see all the time now. Follow us on over to the podcast. Thanks for hanging out. Chris, Brandon, and Trent. We'll see you next week. Peace. Snoop Dogg. You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome to the podcast portion of the show. And uh, we promised early on that we would do better than James Harden. At least we'd try. And I think so far we've done okay. <laughs> We're talking about, talking about Derek Jeter. Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Trent Nichols here. This portion of the show is brought to you by Atkins Commercial Advisors. Not consultants, don't be confused. <laughs> Guys, I was thinking during the break, um, we've got two posters on the wall of baseball players, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, both contemporaries of Derek Jeter. And then when you start looking at the rest of that pool of players, you know, you got Roger Clemens has to be in that conversation, Rafael Palmero, Alex Rodriguez. Don Mattingly. Mattingly, no. His numbers? Before. No, Mattingly's before. The hit man. He definitely in the baseball. No, I thought before. you meant just No, we're talking about contemporaries. Oh, talking sorry. about contemporaries. You guys have played, you know, whose careers overlapped. When you look at that, Manny Ramirez being another guy. I mean, and with each one of these guys that you throw out there, they broke your heart at some point with, you know, stupidity or with steroid use or with whatever – Derek Jeter was that guy, I think, that spoke, spoke to the American public because he was clean. You know, everything surrounding him because of the, you know, the marketing genius. And I did read an article years ago about him sitting down with George Steinbrenner and, you know, essentially promising Steinbrenner he would never be that guy to embarrass the brand. Now, whether or not the Yankees would have won five titles during, that, during Jeter's career without Jeter is debatable. But the fact that he was the captain, he advanced that cause, did it in a, you know, in a manner that was classy. You, you just have to use that word about him. I think that's where that comes from. And when you, when you combine that with having done it in the greatest city in the world, playing for the Yankees, who, by the way, have the most recognizable brand logo on the face of the planet, that's mind-boggling. Of all of the logos, all of the marketing anywhere in the world, the New York Yankees logo is the most recognizable. So doing it on that stage, playing his entire career there, and recognizing, unlike a lot of guys who, who kind of turn into journeymen, you know, there, are, there just aren't great players that stay with one team their entire career. I think the formula is, you know, Jeter gets a little overrated. Well, here's what I want to ask. I want T. Nichols, Trent to convince me, but I want to take a couple of things away, okay? Other than the fact that it's unbelievably impressive that he can keep the people he's dating quiet with the <laughs> gift baskets and the fact that he makes people check their cell phones in at the front door. Those things are impressive, and I just hope he writes a book about how he makes that work. Take all that away that he didn't get into any trouble, because, I mean, come on. Oh, you did the right thing? Let's make a plaque or a statue, right? Tell me why we're supposed to be excited about Jeter and his 
Jersey being retired. But before you do, let's let's examine that because Johnny Manziel should have gone to the Derek Jeter School of Communications because if Derek Jeter, you know, had been able to get in somebody like Manziel's ear and have, hey, no cell phones, man, <laughs> pay them off with gift baskets. Manziel might actually be on somebody's roster, but I digress. Go well, ahead. Well, what happens if Derek Jeter's father was Ball? You know, LeVar Ball. Oh, my God. What what could have happened? I mean, it's the upbringing, but I think Derek Jeter, unfortunately, it's hard to prove that because he is an above-average player. He's not the greatest baseball player of all time. That There's no question. But he was better than average in the playoffs. He's number one in runs scored. He has the most hits. He has the most total bases, the most doubles, and the most triples in the playoffs. Okay, let me qualify that. Because it was during Jeter's career that the playoffs were expanded. And you've got an additional round in there, which is an awful lot of games. Mm-hmm. Then you have to take into account that the Yankees have played in, what, I don't know, one-fourth of all the World Series in the history of baseball. something, Some ridiculous number like that. So, again... You're talking about team accomplishments that that he piggybacked on. You're talking about Derek Jeter, all right. If you make a case that Derek Jeter is one of the greatest, one of the you know couple of greatest players of all time, Scottie Pippen is too. Then he is. He's got the numbers back. Scottie Pippen's what a top fifty guy all time. Where do you put Pippen in the conversation? He's top fifty still. I, I get you. Well, you but know, we're not talking about Derek Jeter being treated as one of the top fifty. He's just outside of the top fifty if you look at the ESPN rankings. Like, I mean, just outside of the top fifty. And Trent, you just have. I'm not knocking your argument. You the only you're only working with what you have. But you said he, he's better than the average player. Like, imagine if I'm calling him. I'm call, I'm at the stadium. I'm calling. I'm the guy on the the commentator calling, and now it's we're going to retire number two, Jeter. Uh, no, he was better than average, Derek <laughs> Jeter. Yeah, but when it comes when it comes to baseball player, he's an above average player. Right. He's a superstar because of the fact that he played so long. He didn't have a lot of injury issues. Um, he played for great teams. And that being said, piggybacking. I mean, being on base helped. All those other guys. Yes, he got on base more than anybody else. He had more triples, more doubles in the postseason. So it's a team sport. Scottie Pippen played for a team. He didn't piggyback off the Yankees. He was that leader that helped the Yankees. The other guys piggybacked off of him. All Bernie right, so Williams maybe, wouldn't have had the RBIs if Jeter wasn't on base. Okay, so maybe my analogy was wrong. Maybe Derek Jeter, maybe I should have said he's the Steve Kerr. Of the New York Yankees. Well, that means he can't even show up to coach because Michael Jordan punched him in the face at practice back in the 80s. Maybe he's the Trevor Ariza, you know. Trevor Ariza. James Harden is, uh, you know, baby. No, he's the big shot Bob. He's Robert Ory. Robert Ory. We finally got the perfect correlation. Derek Jeter is Robert Ory. That's that's what makes this interesting because there's not a perfect – Analogy or a comparison. No. Because you're talking about an above average player that as soon as A Rod got on there, he wasn't even the best shortstop on his own team. He's ranked outside of the top six Yankees all time by most polls. He's outside of the top 50, but yet we're supposed to like 
stop what we're doing and really, you know, this is a big hoopla because he's getting number two, the last single digit outside of the number zero, which they say they'll never issue. He's the last single digit Yankee, but he's above average and we're making a big deal out of it. I just can't figure you, you'll, I haven't because been able the to captain, be convinced. I think because he was the captain. Who else are, are the, the great captains? You know, Peyton Manning didn't I mean, did, win as many championships. Tom Brady is the captain of the team. Wayne Gretzky was a captain. The greatest hockey player of all time, okay, but unfortunately, so let's, let's, but unfortunately, Jeter doesn't have the skills. He's not Wayne Gretzky. I'm not ever going to say that he is the greatest baseball player. Player. Well, think but, about think about what you just said, though. You talked about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky, and that C and what it meant. Yep. Derek Jeter, in terms of the national consciousness, is in that conversation with those guys. Yes. Those guys were the very best at their positions in their league. They were dominant on the field or on the, you know, on the ice in Wayne Gretzky's case. Jeter was never for any any time period that guy. But do you think he falls into that I think that he could have won the MVP award almost every year oh, for the shut Yankees. Up, Trent, are you Jeter could have. He absolutely. You're nuts. You take him off the field, the oh. Yankees wouldn't have been that good. Smoking in days, <laughs> no juice. What are you talking about? I think he he should have been in the conversation for MVP every single year. That's a bizarre statement. I don't have drank the Kool Aid for sure. I don't sure. think they without Derek Jeter, they probably would have won two World Series. <laughs> they would have uh, just five. moved to A Rod over to shortstop. Been they didn't even have. They didn't even win with A Rod. They I won they one time. One. Yeah, they got one, one time. Maybe it was they lost more because of A Rod. Maybe it was because Jeter was playing shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> I need a nap. <laughs> you know, Derek Jeter should never have been in the MVP conversation. It, but that's by my estimation. He's the most valuable player for the Yankees for the however many years, 15, 20, because of his whatever years right? that he played. Because huh? of his leadership? Yes. So David Ross should have been the MVP of the National League last year for what Chicago Cubs accomplished. Because he was the you know undisputed leader of that Cubs team that won the first world championship in 8,000 years. I guess what it comes down to is the MLB was so corrupt with steroid use that we're given – we're giving him props. I mean, this is a guy who hit 260 home runs lifetime. That's not a big total for home runs. But it's because the idea is that nobody really thinks he cheated by taking these substances and the longevity and playing for the biggest brand in the globe. That He gets, somehow gets credit for having not cheated and been in the headlines. Well, then why does Cal Ripken get the credit too? Because he's overrated too. Well, I mean, he played. But he's he's the same thing. Jeter is the same as Cal Ripken. I now I agree with that hundred percent. And Cal Ripken, short of the Iron Man, that's record, it. That's all he has. The same you know, thing as Jeter. Cal Ripken doesn't have the wins. You know, played in a smaller market, but Cal Ripken is one of those. And I guess maybe it's just proof positive that baseball. You know, what's important and how the columnists drive. The, the narrative nationwide, maybe that's it. Because if you're a good interview and you're a good person and you've got a pretty smile, I don't know what it is, but, yeah, you're talking about two of the biggest guys, biggest names in baseball. And at the same time, you look at Derek Jeter and Cal Ripken, they're contemporaries of Barry Larkin. I'll tell you right now, Barry Larkin's a better baseball player, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. better defensively and has offensive numbers to push those guys. A lot better. You know, didn't have quite the longevity. 
But I'll take Barry Larkin every day of the week. And if that's my starting shortstop, I've got a leg up on Cal Ripken and Derek Jeter every time. That's how I feel about it. Well, I think Brandon made the best point, though. Maybe he is so celebrated because Derek Jeter played all that all those years and survived the steroid era. Well, and, and survived it, it in the greatest city in the world, yep. in New York, with, with the brightest no lights. controversy, no arrests, yeah. no no crazy drama. You, so for some of these players, and maybe that's the cautionary tale that's there. For some of these guys, maybe more of our athletes would do well to recognize that there's something to be said for being worthy of being an idol. You know, we hear all the time, well, you know, those athletes shouldn't be idols. Well, they are, whether they like it or not. And if I've got a kid coming up and I look at a guy who was, you know, seemed to be living a charmed life and threw it all away with Johnny Manziel, you know, you've got that option or you've got the Jeter who always seemed to do everything in the public eye classy. Maybe that's the life lesson here for these athletes. And, you know, pushing the envelope and, and all the rest of that. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. We were talking about columnists in the in the Derek Jeter segment there. And look, ESPN laid off 100 people a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. And you and I have talked this to death. I've talked to a lot of people, and even passive sports fans agree. ESPN and their ilk have all kind of succumbed to the Stephen A. Smith screaming and hollering, Skip Bayless, got to have a take. I'm going to tell you who I blame for all of this. Jim Rome. Mm. Jim Rome transformed sports talk radio. And what was his, you know, his saying all the time, have a take, don't suck. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, created this generation of people screaming into the phone. And that kind of morphed into that's what talk show hosts became. And they became a joke. And for a while, I guess there was some entertainment value in it. 
Now, frankly, and this isn't me tooting our collective horn with this show, we're not going to scream and holler. You know, we're not going to take opposite sides of an argument just to try to be compelling. We're not going to go Colin Cowherd and think through and think, oh, we might be able to piss people off if we say this, or this is going to get ratings. We come in, we talk about sports because that's what we love. We have fun with it. There's none of that left on television. ESPN announced this week they are canceling the sports reporters. The sports reporters was the last sane program they had left on TV, and it was an American institution. And when I say that, I'm not, I mean that sincerely. 30 years, if I'm not mistaken, Dick Schaap was the original host, and I grew up with that show. There, there's nostalgia for me there, but that shaped who I wanted to be growing up, probably more than anything else on television. Mitch Albom, Mike Lupica, um, you know, it introduced those type guys and brought them into the conversation. It took these columnists who wrote in individual markets across the country and gave them a level of national awareness nothing ever had before and let those guys talk about you know, what they did and give insight that no, was nowhere else on TV. And it has gotten lost in the ESPN lineup over the last 10 years because they feel like they have to trot out Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and the rest of these idiots to yell at us. You know what's so funny? You talking about Stephen A. Smith now on the Dan Lebertard show? I know throughout I the entire show. I love it when Stephen A. starts yelling, they immediately cut right to the Stephen A. show. It is, and they even have an alarm with Stephen A. screaming. Yeah, and they do it because it's really? so daggone ridiculous. It it's is ridiculous. Funny. I cannot listen to it for more than a couple seconds at a time. Chris Russo, you know, has his own channel on on Sirius Radio now. Mad Dog. Mad Dog Sports. And I just don't understand why we need to yell and we need to holler and we need to try to shock. Shock value as it applies to sports. Sports is dramatic. Let yep. it unfold. And I don't need you to put, you know, paint things as black and white as the best ever or the worst ever and all the rest of that and scream it at me as loud as you can. Colin Cowherd talks about it all the time. That he's not necessarily saying what he believes on the air. Yeah. He's Trying to get ratings. Well, maybe ESPN has opened a door, opened a window. Because, I mean, they've had they've had the sports world, TV and radio, by the throat for so many years. Maybe there's, um, you know, a group, CBS, Fox, that actually hire some of these people so you actually have some decent program for intelligent people. Like, I really love Mike Lupica. He comes on on Sundays sometimes in the morning. I don't know when he tapes his show, but sometimes it seems like it's live. I can listen to him for the end, yeah. like, for the entire three yeah, or four hours. a radio hours. show. So, but now we're having, you know, his and hers, which I find kind of entertaining, but it's the same kind of tired formula that, you, you know, Jalen and Jacoby, even though I kind of get a kick out of that, um, Who's my guy who used to work here in the track? Bamani Jones. Saint I like Bamani. Oh! So, best in the business, man. Bamani, yeah. Bamani made a mistake and talked about ACC football not being that great, and he got kicked out of the state, but it turned out to be a good thing for him. But, uh, you know, are we seeing the end of journal- journalism or actually well thought out thoughts and not hot takes? Hot takes. Hot takes is the is the is what defines this mess. 
It's you know you have to have a take. Hot takes, hot takes. Got to have a take. And and trying to condense good conversation down into forty five second seg, you know sound bites is what's is what's killed this. And ESPN, I read an article a couple weeks in advance of the um, the the uh, furlough, the layoffs of all the the people there. Charles Taylor, good friend of mine, who's who's involved in sports production, sent it to me. And the whole article talked about how ESPN's belief was that the business was changing and that it wasn't there. And ESPN over the last year has gone from, or last couple of years, has gone from being available in 110 households down to 88. Okay. ESPN doesn't freaking get it. ESPN still has ESPN's ESPN Insider on their website. Guess what, guys? Nobody's going to pay for your content. Yeah. The internet doesn't work that way. And these guys, ESPN Insider, 15 years ago when they stood it up, it was worth a few bucks a month to go get it. Now all it does is piss people off when you go there and you click on a link and it goes in and gives you the first three lines of the article. Oh, you'll have to be ESPN Insider to, to go the rest of the way. No, th- I'm good. Thanks. No we'll problem. never have anything like that on this show. You you won't be listening. Oh, if we could get some money for it, we would. No, I'm just playing. Insider, you don't want to be inside here. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> you no. You don't want to be inside. No, uh, but they have. They're the ones that changed the model. Okay, we didn't ask for NHL to be plastered all over our doggone TVs. Okay, most of the country doesn't care about hockey. We didn't ask for oversaturation of baseball. You know, I look at the and, – and you talk about the business changing. The business is changing, and these cable companies need to catch up with what America wants. Baseball is a prime example. They pay the uh, the uh, extra innings package on DirecTV, and, and I think it's available on cable too. But for that, you get access to virtually every doggone baseball game that's on across the country, MLB. Nobody pays for that and wants to see every baseball game that's going on every day. They're buying that because they want to watch their team play. So I don't need all the rest of that. Pare it down. Let me pay for what I want. Let me pay on demand by game. No problem. Give us what we want. When we want it. When we want it. Because if you don't, somebody else will. And, you know, the cable companies can't understand why there's all these pirate apps out there and everybody's cutting the cord. It's because you guys are these big corporate behemoths that don't understand the American buying public and don't understand what we want. You look at Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, these talking heads screaming at the dog on television who'd rather talk about, you know, Anna Nicole Smith than they would the actual topics of the day that have any impact on us. And... It's short-term relief. They get a little bit of boom out of it, but nobody's going to take you seriously after that. Well, And I'll tell you one other thing. I'm sorry, Trent. Um, the one thing that I think has hurt the business of sports reporting um, and just the business as a whole is the DVR concept. Like, I know that's a whole different show, but if you're leaking like a sieve and you're starting to bleed your profits, you might want to figure out how to address the fact that Consumers, if they're smart enough, can forward through all the ads. And the ad people have decided they finally realized that this is happening and they're not getting the bang for their buck. Address that by addressing it and not trying to do the knee-jerk reaction of cutting a lot of your talent 
they cut a lot of really talented sports people, like really talented, and they're replacing them with yahoos like me. Who, you know, <laughs> if, if you pay me those dollars, I swear to God, I'll scream too. But they've they've lost a lot of credibility in this move to me. It just didn't. It seemed like a really knee jerk cost cutting. Um, measure and the sports reporters, gosh, you know that's just not that's like not having Good Morning America anymore, right. you know, or Meet well, the Press, or, or Meet I the mean, Press. It's been on the, almost the same amount of time. Yeah, I mean that was an American institution. They were pioneers with that show. And I think, I mean, ESPN honestly is unwatchable. I will, I do not want to watch it all the way, there, no, sir. Unless there happens to be a game, and that's the point. I mean, the six o'clock Sports Center now is a joke. And the Scott midnight. freaking Van Pelt well, that's with that thing. freaking variety show of his. And I work late. What have they done to Sports Center? I can't watch it. No, I have not. I have yet to watch it. But I think the TMC. It's like the TMZ it, model. That's perfect, what they're going for. Perfect comparison. So it's it's unwatchable, and they're but we're kind of handcuffed because they've spent billions upon billions of dollars to get NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. Well, first Where of all, with the DVR go? piece of this, these knuckleheads, and, and to give perspective, I have a master's degree. I have 15 years of marketing background. Why these knuckleheads are insistent that their primary advertising mechanism is going to be 30-second ads in the middle of things, I, I will never understand. If I'm at home and I've got something DVR'd, I'm forwarding through the commercials. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a sports game, whether it's a television series, whatever the case might be, get on board, idiots. Put banners within the programming that say, hey, this game's brought to you by the Ford Motor Company. It's embedded in the image. It's not taking away from anything. And run the thing. That's the only yeah, way you're going to get your brand out the there. Yeah. Run, a, run a crawler across the bottom. But the, the old idea of 30-second advertisements that have been around forever – that that doesn't have to change is crazy. And anybody that's out there that's paying for these doggone spots and dropping premium dollars on behalf of their clients, these marketing companies ought to be ashamed of themselves because they obviously don't have any idea how we do it anymore. And the Nielsen ratings already adjusted. You get a rating for live television watched on DVR three days after and seven days after. Why couldn't the TV companies figure something else out like that. Because they're not as smart as us. And the last point I'll make, we've got just a minute left. The the business of sports media and and media across the spectrum. Hey, by is, the way, for everybody listening, Chris just looked at me like this. You know where they do the single into the camera look like sports reporters. <laughs> the actual show. He just looked at me like so. We're having a one on one moment right now, whether you can see it or not. We made eye contact. We're we're locked in. Go Here's ahead, the thing with – I, I lost my train of thought. You can talk <laughs> about something, dog, because I don't have any idea what I was talking about. You crossed me up. I'm sorry. Well, it's just sad. Like Again, it's just sad. It You know, when they did the layoff across the board, it was just names. But now it's like a the sports reporters, you shouldn't have touched that. From the cheap seats, check us out on Facebook. See you next week. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby... 
I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. 